Welcome back to the One and O Pod. I'm Seth Engel. I'm Joel Haas. And we are talking today in an emergency setting because um, the Big Ten is expanding to 18 teams. Oregon and, and Washington move reportedly from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten this morning. So there's a there's a lot going on right now. And I think, you know, it impacts obviously the whole conference and all of college football. Um, but at the same time, you know, it impacts, you know, Penn State on a smaller scale um, and maybe, you know, how they schedule in 2024, how they might have to recruit. So we're going to break that all down for you today. Um, Joel, initial thoughts, you know, what what are you thinking right now? How was this morning for you kind of gathering, um, you know, all this information at once? Yeah, um, I mean, it's been a pretty crazy last like 24 hours. Um, we started to hear some reports. Um, about potentially Oregon and Washington. Um, there was a little bit about like Florida State and Clemson even too. Um, so it was pretty crazy. And then there were like conflicting reports. Um, and then this morning, it sounded like Oregon and Washington might be staying in the Pac-12. And then we find out now that they're reportedly, you know, confirming the move. Um, so yeah, that's pretty crazy. Big 10 up to 18 teams, uh, which makes it the biggest conference. Um, and I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is when they got USC and UCLA last year, it felt like a reactionary move to counter the SEC hitting Oklahoma and Texas. But by adding Oregon and Washington, it feels like they're being proactive and kind of trying to jump ahead of the SEC instead of just trying to match them. I mean, yeah, that's definitely something that you think right away is, I mean, people like to pin the conferences against each other all the time. Like, who's the better conference? Is it Big Ten or SEC? You know, maybe when you look at playoff appearances, the SEC probably has the upper hand. But now that you add, you know, Oregon and Washington, um, two highly competitive teams, along with USC and UCLA, I mean, it, the Big Ten is is dividing itself, um, I think, from the rest of the country, um, obviously still competing with the SEC. Um, but I think a question on a lot of people's minds right now is, you know, why is the Big Ten even doing this? Like, why do they want to jump ahead? Is it good for college football? Um, wondering, do you have any, you know, thoughts on that and maybe like personal views? Yeah, I mean, from a financial standpoint, I'm not sure how that's really going to work out. Um, but just as far as like resumes, I mean, Oregon and Washington are the only two Pac-12 teams with a playoff appearance. So you're adding teams that have, you know, been to the playoffs already. Um, obviously they're both operating at a pretty high level right now. Um, so they have pretty good upside. Um, I was seeing that like the big 10 didn't want to be the one to kill the PAC 12, but once the big 12 made the move for Colorado, then the big 10 was like, okay, the PAC 12 is a sinking ship. And I think it was kind of like, if we want any teams from the PAC 12, now's the time to make the move. Um, so I think their hand kind of got forced by the big 12 there. Um, I do think Oregon and Washington are both like better than average. Like they bring up the average value um, of schools in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, as far as, again, financials and viewership, I'm not sure about that. Um, playing in the Pac-12, obviously you're going to get just less viewership um, just as a conference, just less eyes on you. And, um, you know, playing late at night in that late time slot, you're obviously going to get less viewers. Um, so that kind of works against them, but they have been like successful teams in the past, which I think is what the Big Ten likes so much about them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then this new media rights deal is, you know, at the center of this move. Um, and then the idea that the PAC-12 didn't, you know, complete a new media rights deal last year when it had the opportunity to do so kind of, you know, created this whole mess um, that we're seeing right now. Um, I mean, the whole report with Apple, um, you know, I think they were offering teams like 20 million a year in revenue shares. And then you look at the big 10, which is, you know, over the next few years is going to be paying teams out like 80 to a million, uh, 80 to a hundred million dollars per season. Um, so if I'm Oregon and, and Washington, like that's a no brainer. Um, if that's going to be Apple's counter offer. So, I mean, it's sad the PAC 12, you know, is dying before our eyes right now. But at the same time, it was a situation that was, you know, completely avoidable. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a money move. Um, I mean, money talks, that's obviously the driving factor between their decision um, for Oregon and Washington to move to the Big Ten. But I don't know, you kind of wonder about the fans at this point, right? Like, is this good for the fans? And I mean, I think it's not good for a lot of reasons. Um, especially, I mean, if you're a fan of, you know, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal Stanford, schools like that, that, you know, have been in the Pac-12, you're all of a sudden looking at potentially getting demoted to basically group of five status, you know, um, a potential like Pac-12 Mountain West merger or something like that. Um, so they're kind of getting left behind. Um, I don't know. I feel like the fewer sports or the fewer teams like in the sport that are relevant or that believe they can win a national championship, like the worse off the sport is. Like I think part of what makes it so good is the diversity of having so many schools across the country that are in contention every year. And I mean, realistically entering a year, there's probably 10 to 15 teams that can actually compete for a national title. But I mean, when you do something like this, you're basically telling those other schools that are left behind, like that they're just on, you know, a second tier and they just, you know, can't compete with the rest of the schools. So, I mean, that sucks for them. And as far as like, like if you're like a Maryland fan, right? Like, I don't know if you would rather play Rutgers or like a school like Washington, where you have like barely any history against them, right? Cause it's not like a natural rivalry. There's not a lot of like hatred or animosity or anything between the schools. Um, so I don't know how interested you are if, for example, you're like a Maryland fan, like, I don't know how interested you are in playing a school like Washington, as opposed to like a school regionally closer, a school you could potentially travel to for away games, you know, a school that you've played a lot that you have a lot of history against. So I don't know, you know, how the Big Ten fans really feel about that. But there's definitely, you know, going over social media, there's definitely a feeling that this is like bad for the sport, um, sort of killing the sport right now. Um, in, in search of just more money. Yeah, I mean, that's the question, right? Is like, okay, well, what do we do with these regions right now? Because there are 18 teams now across the conference from coast to coast. So what actually makes sense, um, especially in terms of scheduling? And the Big Ten had their Flex Protect Plus format that was supposed to, you know, get debuted in 2024 and, you know, go to at least 2025. You know, do they continue with that i mean it's just it, it's hard now because it, it, it would have been harder it would have been hard with travel when you're accounting for usc and ucla but then you add two more teams and it doesn't get any easier like it, it only adds 
you know, more stress on athletic departments and the conference to, you know, find a cost efficient way to, to travel across the country and then also bring your equipment. And for some of those smaller sports too, that aren't football or basketball, like that can be, you know, very pricey and, and a challenge. So I think the big 10 is going to have to get extremely creative in the way that they come up with this new scheduling format that actually makes sense for people. So you don't have people going coast to coast, like multiple times a year. It's just like not convenient. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, there's definitely a lot of wrinkles uh, to work through there. Um, and we're probably not going to get an answer anytime soon as far as the new schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to have to scrap what they have now and find a way to get the new teams in. Um, I mean, if they do want to keep the flex protecting, you want to get the one protected rival, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, it would give Penn State, you know, a protected rival, which they didn't have now. But for a school like Michigan, where you have Ohio State and Michigan State that are both big rivals, right, you, you kind of have to lose one of those if you wanted to stick with one protected rival and then two rotating sets of eight. Um, I feel like a pod system, you know, that could be the way to go. And then you sort of have like a West Coast pod. So those schools, at least as far as travel, can, you know, stick together and play each other. And then you maintain those, you know, rivalries between the former Pac-12 teams. But yeah, I'm really not sure where they go from here because there's just too many teams to really effectively play everyone as much as you want to. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the pod system probably works best geographically. And like you look at the NFL model and how they do divisions where, you know, the teams are all relatively close together, like that works. Uh, but the NFL model also has, you know, divisional champions who then go on to play in a, you know, conference playoffs and then they go to the Super Bowl that way. Like, I don't know how exactly that would work. Like if you win the division, what does that mean for you? Like if you win your pod, you know what I mean? Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there, there are ideas, you know, it's just what makes sense. I do think that it makes most sense to just, you know, re readjust your flex protect, your flex protect system and make it a one protected rival, get rid of that secondary rival game. Like, I know it sucks for Michigan fans or Michigan State fans who, you know, that that's one of the most historic rivalries in, in the country um, to potentially drop that. But, you know, that's that's what you got to do when you're when you're trying to make money as a conference. And, you know, Michigan State and Michigan will still have potentially the opportunity to play each other, you know, biannually. So, you know, that's I think that's just the most logical way to go about this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, I will be interested to see, because they're going to have to sort of manufacture new rivalries too. You know, with the new Pac-12 schools, you're going to have to find basically rivals for them within the Big Ten. I mean, if you want to do Oregon-Washington every year and USC-UCLA, you know, play each other every year, that's fine. But just trying to sort of build, I guess, that history between them and the existing Big Ten schools is going to be difficult. Um because, I mean, Penn State kind of got paired with USC with, you know, the, the flex protect that we have now that's, you know, going to go away. But they were one of the two play teams was USC and Penn State. Um, so they were trying to kind of build a rivalry there. They're going to have to do something similar to that where you have to kind of make new rivalries now, which, I mean, you know, could be fun. But you just don't have that history there, which I think is part of what makes college football so cool is, you know, 150 something years 
of history in a lot of these rival rivalry games, you know, with like a hundred plus games historically between two teams that you're kind of losing with, with all the realignment. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about making those new rivals, I think when you see the good big 10 teams, at least for the past 10 or 15 years um, that go to the Rose bowl and have the opportunity to play some of these good PAC 12 teams, like that's easy enough to pair up, especially because they're, you know, marquee matchups that people want to see on TV. What's going to be harder is when you're, you know, you're forced to pair Oregon and in like Rutgers or USC and Maryland teams that really have just zero history together at all. Um, so, I mean, that'll be interesting to see and we'll kind of see how that all plays out. But I mean, when you're joining a conference, you know, you're forced to play everyone, um, you know, over a multi-year span. So, you know, there's obviously still, you know, many details that still need to be worked out. This, this isn't even official yet. Um, it's still just reported. Um, it's interesting because like once it, it happens, then you just, the ideas start flowing. You're like, oh my God, is the, is the country falling apart? Like is college football as we know it done? Like what's going to happen in 10 years? How far are the mega conferences going to go? Um, but at the end of the day, like we can only take this one step at a time. Um, so when looking at today and tomorrow for Penn State, who they're playing football right now, they're in training camp. Um, where do you kind of pinpoint where you go from here? Um, how do you think things could change for, for the program, um, you know, immediately? Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely changes schedule-wise. Obviously, you have four new teams that you're going to implement in, but I would say for at least the last couple of years, it's sort of been Ohio State and Michigan at the top with Penn State kind of the clear third, but also not in that same tier as Ohio State and Michigan. And when you add a team like USC, Oregon, and Washington, I feel like those three are all in a similar tier with Penn State, where you actually have those close games, because we've seen the last two years with Penn State, right? It's either you lose to Ohio State and Michigan, or you pretty much blow out all the other Big Ten teams. Um, and now I feel like there's sort of more parity there, where Penn State, I feel like USC is a very like evenly matched rival. Um, same with Oregon and Washington. So there's more, there's more teams in that like second tier maybe not like national championship contender, but still very good quality teams that, that are definitely going to beef up your strength of schedule um, if you're Penn State. So it definitely is a tougher road um, as far as scheduling. And then just having those West Coast teams in the conference. Um, I know Penn State has a lot of alumni in like that LA area. I'm not sure if they have a lot in like Oregon and Washington. I wouldn't think so. Um, but just as far as like getting more viewership or more eyes on Penn State from the West Coast, you're kind of building your brand because now you have West Coast fans who are going to be watching a lot more Penn State games. Um, and then that goes into recruiting as well because you have, you know, high school football players who are maybe grow up, you know, watching West Coast teams. They're going to start seeing more Penn State games on TV. And then that sort of puts Penn State on the radar and maybe opens up sort of a pipeline for recruiting. Um, I mean, obviously Penn State's been doing a great job within the state. They like to stay pretty local lockdown uh you know pennsylvania and then also like the dmv area um so it'd be interesting to see if they do want to go out west and try and pull because obviously california especially southern california is you know filled with talent there's a lot of five stars that come out of there um so it definitely opens up the possibility of recruiting there it's just up to penn state really if they want to try and venture out um and then you risk losing what you've built up you know locally in pennsylvania 
Yeah, I mean, that's the big question with recruiting is like, if Penn State has done so well within their regions of the Northeast, you know, Midwest, and now even, you know, the Southern states, um, is it even worth it to go out West? Um, Penn State hasn't brought in a California recruit since 2014 when they brought in Coa Farmer. So that's one, that's one player in the James Franklin era. And there's only been two West Coast recruits of the past six years. Um, Micah Bowens from, from Nevada, um, and then Venga Yone from, from Washington. Um, so they really haven't even scratched the surface of those territories. But now that you have, you know, four direct competitors who kind of own those regions, specifically California, you might be forced to, to dip into those areas. Um, and I think it should be mentioned too, like Stacy Collins has a, the special teams coordinator has a deep connection to the West coast. I just don't know if, if Penn state's really like utilized it yet because they haven't had to. Um, so like you said, to your point, like as kids start watching uh, Penn state football and they live in California, you could start to see that pipeline open up, which, which could be interesting, but that also goes for every other big 10 school. It's just a matter of, you know, how aggressive, each program wants to recruit there or whether they just want to, you know, stay where they are, um, where they're comfortable. So we'll see. I mean, that's, that's obviously years in the making, um, but you could start to see, you know, Penn state start to bring in some more West coast recruits just to establish a base there for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, definitely just something to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I guess, more directly, like, I don't know, we talked about scheduling and, and, you know, potential travel. Um, that's, that's the big one. I mean, traveling is hard, especially when you're traveling from state college to a place like Los Angeles. Um, it's not necessarily feasible. I think there's a plan in place, but I don't know if there's a plan to bring equipment. Um, so we'll kind of see what transpires there. The big 10 is still working out you know, plans to, to just make it work. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be different. Road trips are going to be different. Um, it's all going to be different. So, you know, we'll see within the next coming days, weeks, months, um, what happens, you know, maybe big 10 adds two more schools in the near future makes it 20. I, I can't say, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to say, but Oregon, Washington are, are now, you know, almost officially in the Big Ten, and you know it's uh, it's exciting, but but it's change. Yeah, for sure. Future is here. Future is here. All right. Well, that's it for us. Thanks for joining in. Want to know pod? Uh, follow us along at psucollegian.com online and uh, PSU Flip Blog on Twitter. And yeah, we will have more for you. We got Sunday, we have we have uh, Penn State Media Day. So we'll have a lot of coverage there for you guys. Um, keep tracking along. See you.